real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast. Be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Podcastpreneur Podcast, where you will learn how to produce, promote, and profit with a podcast. This episode originally appeared on the Frugalpreneur Podcast. To receive free access to my upcoming podcasting masterclass, please sign up at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash masterclass. That's T-H-E. S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash masterclass. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I am your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today has the dubious honor of releasing the 40th podcast ever. Other notable podcasting elements from his past include authoring Podcasting for Dummies and Expert Podcasting Practices for Dummies, launching and running one of the first large podcast networks, building a successful strategic podcast consultancy, and a celebrated keynote speaker on stages around the world. Welcome to the show, Evo Terra. Hey, that sounds like me. <laughs> you have a very distinctive voice. You have like one of the best voices I've ever heard in radio or wow. podcasting. Well, thank you very much. I would I would say thank my mom for that. Obviously, genetics have a part of that. But I did from a young age, people were telling me, you're pretty good at radio, boy. So first thing was lose the Oklahoman accent. And uh, second one is learn to speak pretty well. And so that's what I've been doing for previous years. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm curious, what was this 40th podcast episode about and what's so dubious about it? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, if you, I think dubious and me share a pair of pretty similar uh, definitions, but I can tell you that the podcast we were doing at the time that that has the honor, if you will, of being the 40th podcast ever was a talk radio show, internet based talk radio show that in October, October of 2004, we turned into a podcast by a very simple little hack on, on my side. And we got it listed on Podcast Alley, and they said we were the 40th person, 40th show to be listed. And this was well before that there was a uh, Apple was doing anything with podcasting. And that was a science fiction interview show. We talked with authors primarily about their books and about the process of publishing and all geeky things related to books and sci-fi. Oh, wow. So Apple Podcasts, or well, iTunes at the time, mm -hmm. uh, wasn't the first then. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Apple or iTunes didn't support podcasting until the summer of 2005. And I can remember that because in the spring of 2005, I turned in my half of the first draft of podcasting for dummies, not the, not the first draft, the actual finished up done deal, final finalized, done all of my episodes or all of my chapters for podcasting for dummies were turned in, uh, that spring. And then I promptly went on vacation with my family for the summer. And the day we arrived in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, I saw the note that Apple podcasts or at the time iTunes would be supporting podcasting. I knew that we didn't write a single word about that in the book. 
So my wife had a lovely vacation. Me, I rewrote a book because of what Apple did. <laughs> well, shame on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. But I know if I didn't do that, it would have been an immediate flop. It would have been you know, I mean, out of the gate because it wasn't publishing for another couple of months. And it's like, if you don't talk about iTunes, you know, and podcasting, because that made it significantly easier, you, you yeah, just bad out of the gate. So it had to be done. So that's uh, mm-hmm. so why I did it. So how'd you get that deal to write that book? I guess because you were one of the OG podcasters. (laughs) That had a lot to do with it. I mentioned that first show that I was doing was a science fiction talk show where we're interviewing authors. One of the authors was a, he, he wrote science fiction, actually he wrote fantasy, but he also wrote a lot of technical manuals. So one day his agent called him and said, I want you to, I'm looking for an author for this book. And he called me and said, my agent says I, that they're looking for someone to write uh, a book about podcasting. And I said, why are they talking to you? He said, no, no, that's why I'm talking to you. So he wanted me to be his co-author on it. He'd written plenty of tra- technical manuals, but it wasn't into the technology of podcasting quite as much as I was. So we collaborated together and said, yeah, once we found that it was going to be a for dummies title, that was enough market research for me. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's write the book. <laughs> And can you tell me like how you got interested in podcasting and like how many shows have you had over the course of your podcasting career? I have been either the host or the co-host of 19 different shows. Well, actually make that 20 because I just a brand new one just came up of which five are still in production, which is, Mm -hmm. which is a big number, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so how did I get into it was your first question. Well, as I mentioned, we were doing this internet radio show and we were on a handful of terrestrial stations as well. And we were on XM satellite radio. <laughs> we were literally burning CDs and putting them in the mail. One of them went to XM radio who would then read the CD and shoot it up to a satellite in space. Crazy that that's how we had to do it back in the day, but that's how we did it. But we had a lot of people who were listening, who became fans of ours, who wanted to listen just on the website. And again, I'm taking you back in. This was 2004. So at the time, we just embedded a real audio player on the website and loaded up an MP3 version of the file. So you click the real player player and it would play. It's like, okay, great. And we've been doing that for probably a year prior to podcasting being a thing. So when we discovered podcasting, when my partner told me about podcasting, I looked at it and said, well, see, we have a blog. We have an MP3 file already posting. How did, oh, it's this little tiny line of text. I'll just break into the the CMS we were using. This was pre-WordPress. And I will figure out a way to fake this enclosure tag. And I did it and it worked. Boom, podcasting. Wow. (laughs) So what was before WordPress? We were using a tool called movable type. Huh. Worked I, almost exactly the same. I mean, all these all these blogging CMSs do pretty much the same, the same basic thing. But yeah, movable type was an early, an early blogging platform that no longer exists, and that's what mm-hmm. we were using. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't heard of it. <laughs> yeah, and I know you have podcast pontifications. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorite podcasting shows. I love how you approach it from a different angle, more opinion-based versus just, you know, facts and stuff. Yeah. Uh, as I, as I say, there are plenty of how to podcasts out there, uh, you know, probably close to a hundred uh, different podcasts that will tell you how to do things. I want to make a show that tells you what you should be thinking about. 
that's really it. I'll give you my opinions, but as you know, Sarah, I also give, uh, I, I, I always don't, I don't have answers all the time. And today's show, total back and forth. I'm not sure where I stand on that. And that's okay because the idea is to make you think, not tell you how to do something and not tell you exactly what you should be thinking, but what you should be thinking about as a working podcaster. Yeah. And can you give your opinion on podcasting, the future of it, and maybe some trends? Because it seems like I thought with this whole Corona thing going on that podcast listenership would go up. But mm-hmm. it seems like it's gone down from what I've read or heard, I guess. I mean, maybe it depends on what kind of podcast it is. But, you know, yeah. when people are going to work, they listen to it on their way to work. So maybe that's right. part of it. Sure. Um, well, that's a big part of it. I mean, the fact that one thing we know for sure, because it depends on, as you said, it depends on what your show is about. It also depends on how you're measuring things up or down. So, and it's a mixed bag. Some reports will show that podcast listening ship is up, sometimes it's down. One thing that is without a doubt is that our, the time when we consume podcasts, when we actually initiate the download has shifted because a good portion of us is no longer and has not for the last month been in our cars Monday through Friday during the morning rush hour or the drive home, we don't have that time to listen anymore. So when we download content has changed significantly, especially those of us who use streaming platforms to bring the content down. It's There are no longer, change the way to say that, the big bumps we saw around the two rush hour times have changed just because we're we're just consuming things differently because we're in different spots. We're not going to the gym either. And so as we we're no longer standing on that treadmill, taking away the boredom by listening to something for an hour, that's, you don't have the treadmill anymore. You got to go for walks in your neighborhood. You got to do the at home workout. And then, so a lot has changed and a lot is currently changing. There's a huge amount of churn happening right now, but I am very happy to say that if we look at the indications from the creator side, more podcasts have been created in the last month. I think it's like a 50 to 70% increase over the prior, over the prior period. So that's, that's awesome, right? I mean, that means that people are taking the risk. Creators are saying, Hey, I've got a message. I've got free time, (laughs) or maybe I don't have free time, but I'm going to find some time because I have some important things I want to say. People are not slowing down. In fact, they are increasing. We're getting more voices out into the world, which I think is a great thing. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. That I didn't realize it was 50 to 70 percent, but huge wow. number. Yeah, that is just that's, a, yeah, <laughs> that's a huge number. So what other podcasts do you have then other than the podcast pontifications? So my wife and I do a mostly pod faded, but not completely a show called Shivo versus the first world. And it started life as a podcast to keep our friends and family apprised of our insane decision that we made at the end of 2014 to sell literally everything that we owned and go travel the world for a year, which we did. And at the end of the year, we decided that we didn't want to move back to America. So we moved to Bangkok, Thailand and lived as expats for a couple of years. So that's how the show originally began for and has evolved through all of those different stages. And when we decided to move back to America in the spring of 2018, we changed the format once again and changed the name of the show once again. We, I did all the things you're not supposed to do, but at least I did them on purpose. The show is called Shivo versus the First World, and it occasionally discusses what it's like to 
lived through the reverse culture shock we have of coming back to the first world after being in the third world for such a long time. So there's that. That's a lot of fun. Uh, when, when I put it out, I think it's been two months and put an episode out. Yeah. Okay. And I also am paid to do this by a few people. There are some hospitals around the country which pay me to be the host uh, of the show. And so there's a couple of hospitals on the on the West Coast and one on the East Coast that has me acting as the host for a little 10-minute long interviews with doctors and healthcare providers. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you also have simpler media productions, which helps people with their podcasts, like you offer editing and whatnot. Is that correct? Well, yes, I have a company called Simpler Media Productions, but our charge is to, we work with businesses and we work with professional service providers who want to have a podcast, but don't want to learn all of the things required to become a true podcaster. So I don't work with hobbyists or people who just want, hey, I've got an idea. Can I do it? I'm happy to have a conversation with those folks about them. But no, all of my clients are businesses who have some sort of a measurable objective they're trying to reach with using a podcast. And so my company steps in to, to do all that. We're their in-house but really outsourced podcast department for several companies around the world. And can you give me your opinion on the best ways to launch and promote a podcast or to to get it out there for people to hear it and maybe how to get guests, how to be a guest, things of that nature? Yeah, there's a lot wrapped up in there. So let's see where this conversation goes. So to me, I think the most important thing when it comes to promoting, which can be part of launching as well, promoting a podcast, I think it has to have a few things done before you even think about doing promotion. Uh, Thing number one, make sure you have all the fundamentals right. Just make sure every single I is dotted and T is crossed. You've got to do all the fundamentals. That means having a website. That means having decent written content on that website. That means having social media properties that are all connected to it, having a good schedule, making sure that you're linking appropriately on the site and making sure you're producing producing content on a consistent man. Get the fundamentals right. That's the most important thing you can do. Second thing you have to do after you've got the fundamentals right is make sure you're making amazing content that people care about, not just a handful of people care about, but that when random strangers hear it, they go, holy cow, this is so compelling. I must share it with people that I know. You have to make remarkable content as step number two. And then step three, leverage the existing relationships you already have when you're putting out your promotional efforts. You can try Facebook marketing. You can try making a brand new Instagram page. You can try cold emailing lots of people. Those things tend not to work. What does work time and time again is when you leverage your existing platforms, email list that you have, existing social media properties, other sorts of relationships, you can lean into those and let that be the way that you spread the message to all of those people. And again, if you've done it, if you didn't, if you made remarkable content, those people will tell other people. And if the fundamentals were right going back down the tree, then every action that they take will be a good signal booster to our friends at Google and the other search engines so that you get to rise up to your position where you should be on the charts. But those are the three steps. I mean, if you're promoting and, and, and marketing your podcast, you got to do those three things. 
And what about someone who maybe hasn't started a podcast, they're thinking about it, or maybe they have and they're in the beginning stages. Uh-huh. You know, some people might wonder, why start a podcast? Uh, how does yeah. it benefit them? Or mm-hmm. can you go into some of the things that you've seen happen with having a podcast? Well, the great thing about having a podcast is it allows other things to happen. It gives you a chance for some interesting collisions in the universe to happen where somebody might encounter your content. I know personally of many people who have made their entire careers out of their podcast. If it wasn't for their podcast that they had put out, they would not be where they're at today. I know authors that are in that space. I know other consultants are are that way. I know plenty of agency people uh, that have done that. I know international speakers who who get speaking gigs all around the world. And all of them credit the podcast in at least some large portion being responsible for that. Where, Where I see people get into trouble Sarah, when they start thinking about should I start a podcast or not, is starting a podcast with unrealistic goals in mind. Hey, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm the, the first thing I'm going to do is sell advertising on that podcast and make a lot of money. So no, you're not. Uh, mathematically, you're not. That's not going to happen for you. Podcasting is not a growth medium. Podcasting is not really a place where you can easily set up monetization efforts. Those things are all possible, but it's a, it's a slow burn. People need to understand that most podcasts are lucky to get 140 downloads of their episodes, of any episode, after 30 days. 140, which is a really small number when you're trying to monetize. You're going to go back to an advertiser and say, hey, you want to give me a few thousand dollars to advertise to 140 people? No, most advertisers would say. Not unless those are really the people I want to get to. If those are 140 people who are in who are in charge of hospitals and I got a company that sells medical gowns, yeah, I want to spend money to reach those people. But, you know, most people don't have a, a even real understanding of what their who their audience is and who they're actually building it for. So that so that becomes a much more difficult proposition for them. Yeah. So focusing more on the podcast being almost like a business card. A way to reach people and make connections and things. No, that's a wonderful way to think about that, Sarah. A business card, a book, a presentation that never stops. I mean, it's really, I think, one of the best reasons or one of the best applications, certainly not the only, but one of the best applications that podcasting can do for people is to showcase your brilliance. Whatever it is that makes you uniquely you, as long as you can convey it with your words or with some sort of sounds, Probably a little bit more difficult for visual people, but if you if you can encapsulate it in in speaking or in playing music or something else that tickles our ears, then podcasting can be a wonderful way for people to say, "Oh, now I get what you do. Yes, I do want to engage with you on this project, or have you come speak for me, or or something along those lines." That's when it really becomes helpful when you use it as proof of your authority. You know, and a lot of people write books to do that. Mm-hmm. And I've done that as well. But I found that having a podcast has actually been a lot more helpful than having a book even. <laughs> That's great. 
That's great. I mean, I've written several books and books have a, a natural shelf life. Books are also self-contained. Now, podcasting can be self-contained and not everyone has to do a show four times a week like some idiots on the call with you right now. It, you know, over and over again, many people can just, hey, I've got 10 things I want to say. Those are the 10 things I want to put out as a podcast. There they are. Those are the 10 episodes that are out there. Maybe I'll add to it next year, but I don't have to. That's one of the beauties of podcasting is we get to do with it whatever we want. And you had mentioned pod fading. Can you explain to the listeners what that is and how to avoid it? <laughs> Either avoid or embrace. So the word pod fading will vary in definition between, depending on who you're talking to. But to me, a pod fade in the negative connotation is when you, when you, the show host, neglect a show to where it just sort of fades out of collective memory and you don't actually put it down. Kind of like we have done with Shivo versus the first world, but we, we've not completely abandoned it. We, I have two episodes sitting in the can. That's what a pod fade is. The way you avoid it in, in, my advice is, well, first off, you shouldn't do it. If if you think you've got a show out there that is pod fading, then you need to make a decision. Either commit to getting back into it or commit to killing it. Just record a quick minute or two episode that says, hey, I've been doing this show for a while. I no longer am doing this show. I just wanted you to know. I may come back and add some content to it eventually, but for now, I'm off to other things. Here are those things. Okay, thanks. Bye. Right. You can actually put an end to a show. You could put a hard stop or a soft stop and tell people that you're not sure what's happening with it. That way, no one's wondering what's happening, because uh, I think that's the worst part of a pod fade is you wonder, will the show ever come back? You know, are, are, is something else happened to it? Did it go somewhere? Did I miss something? I want to avoid that confusion. So one ending episode that eliminates that confusion for your episode, for your, for your listeners means you've no longer pod faded. Now you've, you've, you've addressed the situation. Yeah, that's a good point. So at least, even if you're stopping it to at least let them know that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just, just let them know. And, and you don't have to make a hard decision. Like I said, you can just say, Hey, I don't know when I'm going to get back to this. You cool mm -hmm. with hanging out? If so, great. If not, mm -hmm. no worries. That's it. Just, just update people on what's happening. And I've seen that some people will, they won't stop. Well, they'll change gears. Mm -hmm. Like maybe they'll change the name of it or even the topic. Yeah. So is that advisable to keep the same? Because if you start over completely over, yeah. then you're going to have to get new subscribers and all right. that. Right. So it would be recommended then if you're changing gears to just do an episode saying, hey, I'm changing gears. It's going to be on the same feed and everything. Yeah, really what you're what you need to ask yourself is, will the people who are listening, who were listening to my old stuff, will they still like this new stuff? And if the answer to that question is, yeah, or probably, or at least a good portion will, then absolutely, you should just change the name of your show if that's what you want to do. Change the description, change all the elements of it. And as you just said, Sarah, release another episode. Say, hey, for season two or three or four, whatever number you're on, we're totally changing gears. Here's what it's going to be. Hope you enjoy it. Bye. And that's your bonus episode for the next season of your show. That way you don't lose any subscribers. Everybody who was subscribed to your old thing gets that new notification, and then it's up to them. If you did a good job selling it to them, and they say, yeah, it's worth my time, they will. Now, just be advised, some people will take this as an opportunity to unsubscribe to your show. That's okay. 
That's fine. Let that happen, right? You only want to be talking to the people you want to be talking to anyhow. And if that content's not for them, then don't begrudge them that. So just let them let them go away. But I would definitely do that. The difference is when you're doing something vastly different. So let's just say, for example, that you were doing a full cast audio drama. It was you and nine other people, and you had this really ambitious thing going on, and you realized, holy cow, that's a lot of work. And you got 10 episodes into this amazing full cast audio drama and everybody loved it. And you decide, you know what I want to do? I think I really want to talk about the problems with poverty in Latin America. Great. You should be able to do that. But now you need to think about doing it as a different show. I suppose if the original full cast audio drama was about poor people in in Latin America, then maybe it makes sense. But if not, then that's the time for you to simply end that show. And then you can say at the end of that one, hey, I'm doing something new. If you want to go over here, here's the new URL. Here's the new website. Here's the way to follow me on the new thing. Definitely use it as a promotional vehicle. But yeah, feel free to just shut it down. Okay. Yeah. And you had mentioned seasons and bonus episodes. So is that recommended to have it in seasons or does it just kind of Everyone does it differently. Everyone does it differently. It's it's definitely recommended to have trailer episodes, right? So the the episode that be and I, I think I said a minute ago that's your bonus episode for season two, and I, and I misspoke. That's your trailer for okay. season two. So think trailer like movie trailer, and every season of your show. Well, your show for season one should have a trailer, even if you're not seasoning your show, <laughs> you should have a trailer. Because that is the 90 second, here's why you should listen message. So that's super important. With the advent of seasons, if in fact you do put your content in seasons, I put my shows in seasons, then you can make a trailer episode for each season. So that when someone comes along, at least in the Apple Podcast app, which is the number one used app today, and eventually other apps as well, when they come into Apple Podcasts, a brand new person subscribes to your show, they will always see your trailer episode for the most recent season first. So within 90 seconds, they get a feel, is this the show I want to listen to or not? They don't have to listen to an entire episode before they decide to subscribe or not. That trailer episode is there to help make them, help the decision for them to hit the subscribe button or not that much easier for them. And when would you do seasons? I guess when there's kind of a gap in between or when there's kind of a different topic? Well, it really depends on on what the show is like. I, I do mine in seasons because I tend to change my focus, not my topic. I mean, my topics change every single episode, right? Most people do as well. But my focus changes. I will like when I it doesn't matter about me. But if you're if you're having a fundamental shift in focus, you can do that. It's also just a real good time to see seasons make a lot of sense when you are putting a gap in. Like if you're going to take off for a couple of months, think about ending a season. Think about just saying, hey, this is the end of the season. We're going to work on content for season three or whatever season number you happen to be in coming up next, right? We're wired to that because of our relationship with the television. You know, and even not just broadcast television, you know, shows that are on Netflix that drop all 10, 13 episodes at a time, release them in seasons. We're used to that as a society. Things that are seasoned prepare ourselves, our minds for a break eventually when the season goes on. It also helps us to have a season arc. All those other great things about having a season that's in there. So not every podcast needs it. Not every podcast should do it. I, I am a big fan of doing the seasoning just because it it allows for some natural breaks. Look, if you've got 700 episodes of a show, were they all exactly the same? And, and maybe they are. Maybe that's perfectly fine. 
but sometimes if you really have made a significant change in the middle of it, just by breaking them up into different seasons with different trailers on each one of those helps people understand what this block of episodes is going to be about. I'm a big fan. Do you have to do it? No, definitely not. And speaking of number of episodes, I've heard mixed things about when someone launches a podcast for the very first time, how many they should launch with. I've heard three, seven, 10, 30, whatever. Do you have an opinion on that? Yeah. Uh, one. Oh, okay. And, You're and that pro- one, and that one is the trailer episode. Okay. That's now, now that's the word launch in that when, when you, Sarah, start crowing to the world, Hey, I got a brand new podcast. It's available on all the platforms. Go check it out. Now click here. They should hear the trailer episode. Mm-hmm. Now you should have at the ready more episodes than that. No, you're a seasoned podcaster. You get that. Anybody brand new who's podcasting, I should let them know. Look, there is a natural drop-off that happens after three, five, or seven episodes. Usually after you reach seven, you're pretty good. But mm, we see a lot of attrition at episode three, episode five, and then episode seven once again. So I definitely recommend having the bulk of the work done for at least three episodes by the time you're ready to go, just to make sure that you want to do this because you don't want to anchor it up. You don't want to say, hey, I got this new cool. It's so easy to make a podcast. These are all three I think I'm going to do. And you tell the world about it and you launch your podcast and then you never record episode one. <laughs> because, yeah, it's easy to grab your phone and talk into it. But if you really want to make it sound better, it's it's a whole lot more, more work than that. So make sure you're ready to do the work. But when you do the unveiling of the show, one episode. Trailer episodes, all I would worry about. And then I would quickly put out, you know, episodes one, two, and three and whatever your regular uh, episode release cadence is. We're, we're okay with that. Okay. Wow. You're, yeah, you're the first person I've heard say that. So that's pretty cool. When I launched, I launched with seven. Like I had them all done, completed, and boom, I just put out seven at one time. And maybe people say to do that so that with the goal or intention of getting into new and noteworthy, maybe that's really the only reason to do that. And and that's a complete myth. I mean, they're they're okay. the, the the new and the, the myths that surround new and noteworthy are legion. Basically, if you think you know anything about new and noteworthy, it, it, you don't, because <laughs> it it is a it's a hand curated list. There's no algorithm that's required inside of it. People at Apple see things and they go, "That's interesting. We think it's worth being listed over there." There's no time limitation. If you've heard, you've got six weeks to make it or eight weeks to make it, and you've got to have a certain. All of those are incorrect. Those are myths that will not die. And here's the second thing about it. Getting into new and noteworthy, mostly worthless. Mostly worthless. We have seen time and time again where, yes, shows that get on new and noteworthy have a nice big spike. They get all these people who are listening to them, but they don't stay. They're not subscribing. They're listening. They're not subscribing. So they listen to that one thing and they go on to the next thing because they just want to see what's next, what's new, what's new, what's new. They tends to not build big stay there subscribers. Not that you should avoid new and noteworthy. Don't, don't get me wrong. If you get in there, don't wish for someone to get you out. It's just not the panacea you think it is. You had mentioned downloads, listens or subscribes, downloads. Mm-hmm. You know, within my host platform, I see a number, but it's not clear on if that's downloads or listens or how do you tell, or does it just depend on your host? All three of those things are different. Downloads Mm -hmm. are one thing, listens are another thing, and subscribes are something else. And the only thing the podcast media hosting companies, this is the Libsyn, the Blueberries, the Captivate, the Podbeans, the only thing they can tell you with any degree of clarity is download. 
And if your hosting company is IAB 2.0 certified, not compliant, but actually certified, then it you can trust those numbers a bit more than you can others that are not yet, or maybe they're not even going to get certified because that's relatively... I'll just put an asterisk there that it's it's close enough to standardized. That's the number of times, you know, or the that you can count downloads. But a download just simply means that a device downloaded the file. It doesn't mean it was listened to. It certainly doesn't mean somebody was subscribed to get to it. I can download from your web page. I can download from your a tweet that somebody sent that said, hey, check this thing out. There are a lot of ways I can get a download, but it's just a download. It certainly doesn't track a listen. A listen is device specific and device and app specific. So while Apple Podcasts and Spotify will give the podcaster who's registered there, will give them good information on the number of times their content was listened to, it's only listens on that app on that device. So Apple Podcasts won't tell you anything at all about the number of people that listen on Google Podcasts. Just not their data. It's not where they get it from. They're giving you information based off the consumption that happened inside of their app. And then the last one is subscribers, which is argue, my, I would argue one of the most worthless numbers that's out there. The number of people that have your RSS feed in a device somewhere. You know, it, it doesn't tell you a lot because a lot of people, I, I have a bunch of shows I'm subscribed to that I don't listen to anymore. Most of the podcast, most of the podcatching apps will stop auto downloading after a while. And so it's still a subscriber, but it's just not pushing any new additional content to them. And there's the fact that a lot of people, especially the new wave of podcasters, they're not subscribing. They're picking and choosing from their apps, from other tastemakers they hear from, from lists, but they're not willing to subscribe. They just are more piecemeal consumption. So three very different metrics. The only one your host can tell you anything at all with certainty about is the number of downloads, which means something, but certainly not everything. And which host do you use, if you don't mind my asking? Oh, no, I don't mind at all. So depending on the client, because I, for my company, uh, Simpler Media Productions, we host with a lot of different companies. So I, Omni is one, uh, Podbean, uh, Libsyn, I've got a Blueberry customer, Captivate. Who else do I have that I support? I think that might be it for now, but I've hosted, I've supported more than that in the past. So how do you decide who to use for what, or is it up to your customer? Well, it's varied. Sometimes the customer comes to me with a solution already and I support it. I, I try to be technology agnostic when it comes to it. You know, podcast media hosting companies, they all do 90x percent of the same thing. They've got a job and that job is to make your, uh, two jobs really, that job is to make your media files for your podcast readily available through using a, some sort of a content distribution network. And the second thing is to generate your RSS feed so that people actually can subscribe and your podcast episodes can be syndicated out around the world. That's the basic rule. All of them have to do that. And that's 90x percent of the value of a podcast hosting company. Where it gets different is in user interface. That's a big decision. That's a big factor for a lot of people. How comfortable am I working in here? The reliability of their statistics uh, as I mentioned previously, a lot of the companies aren't IAB 2.0 satisfied. IAB is the Internet Advertising Bureau, and they're the ones that have set standards for what a download is. So if you move from host to host and you're both certified, your numbers should be relatively the same. So you can actually say, okay, I feel like that's a good download number. 
There are other considerations, like some of them have bandwidth limits that are set. Some of them have deep integration with podcast advertising platforms for the third-party providers. The nuances get very fine after time. So I always tell people to, you know, make make the best choice that they can. Make make some really smart choices based on what their needs are and then and then go from there. I'm on the advisory board for Captivate FM. So if anything nice I say about Captivate, just understand I am on the advisory board of the program and I like it because they listen to me and they've implemented a lot of the changes that that I want. But is that right for every single person? Absolutely not. There's there's a there's a podcast host out there for everybody. The good news is they all cost about the same. Right. Anywhere from five, 10, 20 bucks. You know, that's pretty standard model. It just really depends on what your needs happen to be. There isn't a, there isn't an easy answer. Yeah. I interviewed uh, Mark Asquith about Captivate and I, I'm currently on Spreaker, but I'm thinking about switching over to Captivate or Buzzsprout. Those are the two that I'm going back and forth between <laughs> because they both have kind of different features that I like. So that, that is true. Yep. And, and both, both are great platforms. You know, they, mm-hmm. they do what they do, what you need them to do. It's which one gets you to the, to, to the closer side. I mean, I, I like the people that run both of those companies. So they're, they're all mm-hmm. nice people. So it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love how uh, podcasters, whether it be the hosting companies or the hosts or whatever, everybody is a tight knit community. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're, you're right. And it's been that way since the beginning. And I, I've been in it from the beginning. And I, I hope we never lose that. I mean, we're only 16 years in. So we are pretty young. We just broke uh, 1 million valid mm-hmm. podcasts in Apple Podcasts these days. So the number's growing. And of course, as things grow, it's harder and harder to get communities to, to stay the way that they were. And of course, that never actually happens. But I hope that that, that sense of camaraderie continues with podcasting. Maybe not everything podcast related, but certainly bubbles of, of that collaboration and community will continue to, to grow and propagate as we add more people to the medium. To switch gears a little bit, the other day, I don't know if it was you, I heard somebody give an opinion on Spotify on how it's trying to become the, app, the new Apple or supersede mm-hmm. them. Sure. Was it? Sure. I I can't remember if that was you or somebody else, but what is your opinion on that? So Spotify's business plan is pretty clear to me, and they know that they have a a very large audience base who uses their app every single month to the to the tune of like 250 million monthly active users or some crazy big number like that. So, got to remember this for Spotify up until they integrated podcasting into their model, much like. Apple integrated podcasting into iTunes back in 2005. In 2018, was it 18? Yeah, 2018 is when Spotify did it. The difference here is that every time you listen to music on Spotify, whether you're a premium member or a free member, Spotify has to pay money to the artist. It's a tiny amount of money. I mean, it's 0.0000001 penny or something dumb like that, right, per play. It's a very, very small number, but those add up over time. Every time somebody listens to a podcast on Spotify, Spotify pays the podcaster, nada, nothing, zip, zero. Now, some people would say, oh, it's a travesty. We should be making the same thing as artists. Well, hold on. There's a lot of rights and royalties cropped up in the whole musical thing. And podcasting since inception has been about reach. We want it to be everywhere, much more available than than it was going to be about limiting access to it and being paid. There are paid podcasting solutions. So so I I don't begrudge Spotify that. 
So Spotify has a business interest, a fiduciary responsibility, if you will, to get more people listening to podcasts because it saves them money. They don't have to spend out as much money. So does that mean Spotify wants to topple Apple from the perch it currently holds? Absolutely, that's what it means. Yeah, they they definitely are are working very hard to try and, well, they've been buying their way into podcasting since 2018, uh, you know, to the tune of $450 million spent thus far, and they're not done. They are they are by by far done. The good news is our friends at Apple aren't done either. And in the last six months, they've made some interesting moves and they're continuing to make some interesting moves by acquiring people, adding headcount and responsibilities. I think you'll see some more stuff coming from our sleeping giant Apple in the in the coming months. And it's not secret. I mean, they've hired okay. six, seven new people over the last six months, you know, for, for various hmm. roles. I mean, podcasting used to be ran by one guy. Yeah. In, in Apple's world. And that's it's and there was a, there's an engineering team behind that. But now they got marketers, they got PR people, they've hired mm-hmm. a new in, in charge of uh, podcaster relations. And so they're really recognizing that they need to be doing more stuff. So yeah, you'll we will see more. I don't know specifically what it's going to be, mm-hmm. but I know enough of the people that have required these new positions to know the kinds of things that they're into. And uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. I would def- definitely not count Apple out. And we've even talked about Google Podcasts. We're also making huge inroads right now. So yeah, we've got some big players in there now, which all of that just serves to increase podcasting in everybody's mind, which means we bring a whole new wave of people into the medium, which just excites me. And I'd be curious to know what advice you might have for a either a host or a guest on a podcast. Well, I mean, there, there's... It's... I, I think the reason I'm hesitating with the, how to answer that question and and the way you phrase it is we tend to think podcasts are a lot like this one. And a lot of podcasts are like this one. Standards follows a standard five-part podcasting format, which is there's a bit of introduction that happens in there. There's a setup, right, where the host introduces the guest. And then there's the meat of the content where the guest and the host chat about stuff. And then there's a little bit of a wrap up, usually where the host comes back and says, hey, here's all the cool things I want to remind you about. And then they end it with, and thanks for listening to the show. Standard, standard model for podcasting. But while that's probably the largest bit of podcasting out there, there's so many different ways. You know, I talked about audio dramas previously, follows a completely different script and format. There are some amazing storytellers out there right now that are using the platform to bring stories to life that they just can't do when it's on the page or even on a screen when it comes into the ears. There's just, it's such a wide and varied thing that you're getting into when you decide you want to have a podcast. What does that actually mean to you, right? It's it's really, really hard. If you're going to do an interview-based podcast and I and I try to not do those for as as a host any longer because I've done them for a long time and I yeah I've got the ones with the doctors but again I mentioned they're paying me right so that's fine you know I one of the things I would say to, to anybody who's thinking about that side of podcasting is it is very hard to be a good interviewer that's one of the reasons I don't do interviews because I don't think I'm very good at it but it's because I haven't spent the time to become good at it there are some true masters out there that you should learn from. There are some great books on the topic of what does it take to really be a great interviewer, how to ask the right kind of questions and listen. Definitely do do all of those things. 
If you're a guest or a potential guest and you think you might become the guest on a podcast anytime, my number one recommendation is buy a decent microphone. And I know that sounds like a crazy thing, but seriously, if you want to use podcasting as a way to get your message out there, and it's a great way to do it, potential guests, you don't want to be shouting at your laptop from across the room. You don't want to be talking into the wrong end of a Yeti. You know, grab yourself a like a microphone like the Samson Q2U, $60 on Amazon, and it's an USB that plugs in straight to your computer. You hold it up to your mouth like you would any other microphone, and it will make you sound fantastic compared to any of those other options that are out there. Yeah, just make sure that you sound great, because if you sound great on the show, You'll sound great on somebody else's show. I'm talking to you on a $450 microphone that's plugged into about another $500 worth of equipment before it actually gets to you. I'm not suggesting you do that. (laughs) But the difference between this microphone and that $60 Q2U that I mentioned is pretty minimal when you're the guest of the show. It definitely shows when you're the host of a program, but it'll work like a champ for being a guest. Well, I think that's a good way to close. I appreciate your time today. And is there anything else in particular that you wanted to go over or discuss? Hey, thank you very much for having me on the program. If you are interested in jumping into the podcasting space or you have not yet got it, you should totally check out Podcast Pontifications. I do it four days a week. It's less than 10 minutes every single episode. And I always promise to give you something to think about at the end. So podcastpontifications.com. And evoterra.com as well, which is E-V-O-T-E-R-R-A.com. And then I'll also have show notes, which will be at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash Evo. Thank you for your time today. Thanks, Sarah. If you enjoyed and found value from this episode, I'd greatly appreciate it if you rate, review, subscribe, and share at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcastpreneur. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't already, don't forget to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Until next time.